HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to A Taste of the Past. I'm Linda Palaccio, and I will be your host here for the next half hour on the Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is proud to be sponsored by Whole Foods Market. Whole Foods Market reminds you that every bite has a story. So whether it's a tomato, a muffin, or a T-bone steak, your conscious food choices can change the planet. Because at Whole Foods Market, every single purchase you make helps us support things like animal welfare, organic agriculture, equitable trade, and energy offsets. Let's think before we eat. Let's retake our plates. Whole Foods Market. That's, that was obviously a, a prepared statement that I read, and I didn't read it all that well. Sorry, but I think everyone is familiar with Whole Foods Market, and um, I encourage you to, to go and check out their wares. It is springtime, and springtime in the food and restaurant world is Academy Awards time. And especially now, the restaurant industry is all a Twitter, and Twittering too, about um, recent the San Pellegrino recent awards that are the world's 50 best restaurants. And those awards were just given out this week in London. And it's just an amazing list and an amazing group of chefs and, and restaurants from all over the world who showed up. And then, of course, following that, we have, well, we just had um, the IACP, which is the International Association of Culinary Professionals Awards for cookbooks and, um, and people in the food world. And then in New York City, our own James Beard Foundation gives out the James Beard Awards for Best Chef, Best Restaurant. And we have with us today Mitchell Davis, who is the Vice President of the James Beard Foundation. Welcome, Mitchell. Hi, thank you. Hi, um, Linda. Uh, we would love to have had Mitchell in the studio, but we he just got back from London, so we we agreed to do a phone <laughs> hookup, and I hope you don't fall asleep with jet lag in the middle of our <laughs> I think I should be fine. I okay. might be a little hungry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would imagine, after all that food you've been eating. Yeah. Um, so, Mitchell, Mitchell is Vice President of the James Beard Foundation, with those awards coming up, but even more so, M- Mitchell, you are on the uh, the Academy's board of the San, these San Pellegrino World's Best 
um, restaurants. Is that not true? That is true, actually. I'm new to the academy. The the way it works is the world is divided into 26 regions, which doesn't seem like an awful lot for the entire world and all of the restaurants that are in it. Uh, And the United States of America, or actually North America, really, is divided into three regions. And so I'm the chair of the eastern region of the North America. Um, So up the whole seaboard, I guess, although not into Canada. Yeah. Well, I think it was it um, in reading the reports about these awards. It was really interesting to note that this is the first time in five years that there's a new number one. Yeah, it's very. It was very exciting. Even even the old number one was excited. I have I'm to sure. say, <laughs> the old number one was uh, for Andrea El Bulli, of course, and uh, argue, you know, no one really challenged its position there. But I I think that um, since the voting had been done, he announced his closing next year of mm-hmm. that restaurant. So mm-hmm. so something was in the mix, and. Um, and Noma, which is a great, by all accounts, an amazing restaurant in Copenhagen, has taken the top spot, and the entire audience of chefs and restaurateurs and food purveyors just erupted when it was announced. They were so and, excited. And it, the chef is so a 32-year-old chef. Yeah, Rene Redzepi, he's young. The restaurant's only been open seven years. It's pretty much been the same seven or eight guys. There's some women in there, too, um, who've been running it. I, I haven't been, so although several people were making plans to go from London upon the announcement to Copenhagen for lunch, um, and unfortunately I couldn't <laughs> stay because of our own awards. Uh, but by every account I've ever heard, it's just a spectacular place to eat, only 40 seats, a really um, creative cuisine that's that's fundamentally based in that place with local ingredients and a very almost metaphoric sensibility of tastes and combinations, and everyone was just really excited about it, so I can't wait to go. Well, I did see a brief interview um, with the chef, Rene uh, Redzief, on, online. There's a short video um, after he received the award, and he was, of course, ecstatic. But he spoke of something I thought was really interesting. He called. He was so excited about being there with all these these famous uh, and fabulous chefs from all over the world, and and just you know doing this in, in what he considered even his own method of cooking. He called it wonderful gastronomic energy. And I, I, I thought that was for someone speaking English as a you know a second or third language. I thought that was a wonderful descriptive phrase to attach to these awards. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is, and I, it's funny. I know exactly what he means because um, the, the whole the whole gathering of those people from all over the world, not unlike the Beard Awards, although ours are limited to North America, primarily American chefs. Um, it was really something special, and and the United States did phenomenally well yeah, in terms tell, of tell the us, world. Tell us who placed there. Yeah, well, um, the the list, well, actually, there were seven restaurants from the U.S. that made the top 50 list. Um, I think the highest was Alinea in mm-hmm. Chicago, where Grant Ackett is the chef. Um, and uh, Danielle's restaurant, Danielle, um, has the highest climber, jumped 33 spots to take the eighth place. Wow. Um, yeah, Thomas Keller is the only chef with two restaurants in the yeah, world on the top I th- 50 I, list. I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, is he the only chef in the world to have two restaurants? Uh, on this list, yes, he is, indeed, um, per se, and the French Laundry. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our local neighborhood spot, I, I live in the East Village, and Momofuku Sambar squeaked onto that list, well, which was very exciting. Everywhere. Yeah, he is everywhere, <laughs> and he was in London, and he had just been in Copenhagen, and... Uh, <laughs> Um, so David Chang, uh, well 
well-deserving with his growing empire. Um, and then the, the number 50 was a newcomer um, to the list, which was um, 11 Madison Park, and Danielle Hume was there, and they were ecstatic. The whole team was really excited to, to be included in this amazing cadre of chefs. Yeah. Now, 11 Madison Park is one of Danny Meyer's um, uh, empire of restaurants, in, the, in his empire of restaurants. Have they ever had another restaurant on this list before? Uh, honestly, I to don't know. I'm new to I don't, the process. Oh, okay. I don't, I, I don't remember so. seeing it. But. I don't think they've ever had anything um, on the list. Mm-hmm. It's funny. The Academy also publishes the top 51 to 100. <laughs> so the people that didn't make the 50 list. The, not bad. The 50 more. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad to be among the 100 best restaurants in the world. Um, and there are even more uh, American contenders and Canadian ones. And the, the website itself is, is full of some interesting information, actually. I would direct everyone to the world50best.com. Um, which um, has all sorts of information about it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Oh, WD50, Wiley Dufresne. Did we, oh, right, did of course. Yeah, he got on there. He's a new entry yes. as well, he, right? no, Well, he's back. No, he was off for a couple of years, in uh-huh. fact, and suddenly he's back and was really excited. He was also in London, and it was really great to have him there. Well, how now, how does the process work? Do you only... So you have to go to the restaurants and eat at the restaurants that you're in charge, you know, that you're no, on the board of? or not exactly. They, so the Academy, it's not unlike the James Beard Awards in some ways. So each of the people responsible in a region as a chair um, is supposed to find a group of um, experts, in quotes, um, chefs, restaurateurs, and journalists mm-hmm. in their region to cover the main cities and the main locations of restaurants who then vote on their five favorite restaurants. Um, and those votes, there are about almost a thousand and uh, associates who vote around the world mm-hmm. uh, then uh, form is where this list comes from. So no chair or person has any one uh, any power over the actual voting process. They right. have the power over finding the people who scattered around the world. I mean, I'm lucky everyone I, I'm looking for is in the same country, but some people's regions have, you know, the entire Africa, the continent of Africa um, is one region, and so someone has to do a lot of legwork to find people who have experience in the restaurants around there. Although there is an entry from um, Johannesburg from South Africa that made it to the list, which was very exciting. Um, and uh, and that's how it works. So it, it's that's... sort of a, a voting panel of expert food writers, journalists, chefs and restaurateurs. Yeah, I heard there was something like 800 chefs involved in the process. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Exactly. Wow, that's so. that's so they're voting for their peers, which is wonderful and yes. you know, it's, it's quite an honor to be on this and um I I know that this is, you know, a crazy time for them and as you said, you'll try to go back and eat at some of those restaurants and they'll be full. But that's the thing about restaurant awards talking to different restaurateurs that it it just and even cookbook authors uh, for the Beard Awards, when you know getting a nomination or getting an award, just increases their sales dramatically. Yeah, it's 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 it, it's, it's pretty amazing. It increases their sales, but it also increases their visibility, and I think that um, is a tremendous, almost a larger impact. It's really, they, they catapult someone's career. You know, uh, ultimately mm-hmm. there are only 40 seats at NOMA in Copenhagen, and so they can only be filled as much as they can, or Elbouli, or that sort of thing. But but suddenly the entire world takes notice. I mean, that's true with the James Beard Awards, too. And, and you can just turn on the top chef 
um, or turn on um, any of the food shows on any of the channels and you see references to the James Beard Foundation Awards, whether they're nominated or they've cooked at the Beard House, just because it, it really catapults you into this realm of, of recognition right. that I think is really important for a chef's career. Well, and of course there are, you know, critics who will say, well, for better and for, or for worse. I mean, you know, we give out awards, but people people love awards. I mean, you know, yeah. we love to we love to have it's a whole hero worship thing, you know, and uh, I, I think that you find people giving awards in music and in film, and and why not restaurants? You know? Yeah, and I, I mean, I think historically one of the things that really changed the game in the United States was the and it, and this predates me at the Beard Foundation, so I can say this was the the start of the Beard Awards back in 1991 because. For so long, all these other areas of what we call cultural production had their recognition programs, the mm-hmm. Academy Awards for movies, and many, many more awards for movies and TV and all that sort of stuff, and music, as you said. And here were these chefs toiling in the kitchens, um, to a large extent um, un- underappreciated, and it really brought them on the stage. I mean, it's as much about showing up at Lincoln Center in a, in a tuxedo. That, that says a lot about the industry and, and the, the role it plays in the larger cultural sphere of a place than even just any one chef. Winning. I mean, my problem, even um, in London at the World's 50 Best Restaurant, is I, uh, you know, I went to camp, summer camp, and in summer camp, somehow everyone always won everything, and there were no number ones, and so all the teams ended up with equal <laughs> scores, and and that's that's what I like. I just wish everyone could win. That there wasn't exactly a number one, but of course, you know, the world doesn't work that way, and it's not all summer camp, and and a lot of the excitement is how everyone comes in, but to just be included, for anyone to be included in in these cadres of you know the 50 best restaurants in the world, 100 best restaurants in the world, the, the top uh, restaurant in a region for the United States for the James Beard Awards. It's just such an incredible honor. It's hard to um, hard to dismiss. That's true. That's true. And um, the thing, I mean, and it's, it is theater. It's entertainment. I mean, going out to dinner is, is entertainment. And, oh, yeah. You know, and the chef has to, as you say, get, get behind the stove every night and put on that same opera, you know, yeah. over and over again, or hopefully be innovative and change. Now, that's one thing I wanted to mention. Do you, how, what's the history of, of the San Pellegrino uh, World's 50 Best Awards. How long have they been around? Do you uh, know? They, well, yeah, they started in 2002. Um, they'll be celebrating ah, their 10th yeah. anniversary next year. Okay. And um, they're actually, San Pellegrino, I don't think, has been there the whole time. They're a sponsor, a but sponsor, they're right. administered by Restaurant Magazine, which is a very large, uh, beautiful magazine produced in London. That's why they're based in London. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a long time, people thought that the list was a little bit London-centric um, and that there were perhaps more U.K. restaurants there than there ought to be, but no one's really saying that now. I think as the process has evolved, this happened with us at the James Beard Foundation Awards, too. You sort of refine it to make sure that you that the right things can come to the top, that you can include people from all over the world, and I think this year really shows. I think there are three U.K. restaurants That's at right. the top. That's right. Uh, which is great. I mean, not, it, yes, it isn't that you, the U.K. doesn't have great restaurants, and in fact, we had such fun eating around London. It was really a blast mm. the last few days that I was there. Um, but um, they're tweaking it, and there's still, there'll still be more changes to divide, to make sure that regions are represented equally, um, you know, it's sort of a um, gastronomic gerrymandering in some way, <laughs> but the point is to really make sure that if there is some great restaurant someplace that it can shine. We have the same situation here um, in America where we have some food hubs like New York City or San Francisco or, or other places in the country where there's a large concentration, and then you want to make sure that other restaurants in other places have an even chance and That's that right. the representative awards really are mean something across the whole area. So, Well, and we'll get into more uh, specifically on the James Beard Awards um, in the second part 
part of the show, but what I wanted to give our listeners was kind of the rundown of the top ten, which I think is quite amazing. The USA had three restaurants in the top yeah. ten. It's amazing. Yeah. So I'm, um, I've got the list in front of me. I don't know if you do. If we can I just, do, too. Sure. Can we read it down from number one? Or, or no. Sure. Well, let's go from ten up. So yeah, ten, ten up. That's, per, there we go. Countdown. Per se, um, Thomas Keller's Per Se in New York City, which is a great restaurant, a beautiful place. And at number, number nine? nine was Arzac in San Sebastian, Spain, another wonderful restaurant. And really, the, although Ferran Adria is arguably the most famous chef in the world and he is Spanish, he always credits Arzac with laying the groundwork that made him possible. So Arzac is very pleased to be there. Uh, Danielle is number eight uh, with Danielle here in New York. And interestingly enough, he's opening in London this week. And so one of the celebrations was in his new bar, Baloo, in the Mandarin Oriental Hotel. And it was spectacular. He invited all the winners for lunch. Oh, wonderful. Um, number seven is Alinea in Chicago, Grant Ackett's. Uh, number six is interesting. Number six is Osteria Francescana, which is this little restaurant in Modena, which I happen to have popped into, you know, accidentally years and years ago and has grown to be this real cutting-edge uh, restaurant, a fantastic um, uh, place, a really creative uh, cuisine in a town, Modena, which also has some incredibly old traditional historic Emilian Romanian cuisine. That's right. Um, number five is Mugaritz in Spain, another one of the great creative Spanish mines. Uh, number four is El Salar del Can Roca, where I have not been, but another Spanish restaurant, and uh, people just can't say enough wonderful things about it. So Spain does very well, I would say, with four in the top ten. Absolutely. It's Spain, USA. Um, Number three, which is down one, is the Fat Duck, which is um, uh, one of the Heston Blumenthal and an incredibly fun and exhilarating experience to eat there and everyone's favorite British chef, um, really a terrific guy. Number two, as we said, was El Bulli, down for the, from the top spot for the first time in five years, and next year will be closed. And he spoke a little bit to that when he addressed the crowd about how he, what will be coming next. He doesn't really know, but he's sure it will be interesting to everybody, of course. That's a no-brainer. And number one was Noma in Denmark. It's really an impressive list. Very impressive. And I mean, and, and not to give short shrift to the rest of the hundred and, and, and fifty. Yeah, but, and even a thousand. But yeah. Right. I mean, we're talking about the whole world here. Yeah, we <laughs> so are. That's, that is really something. Um, well, when we, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, um, we'll talk more specifically about the awards coming up on Monday, the James Beard Foundation Awards. Okay. Sure. We're back on A Taste of the Past. I'm Linda Palaccio, and we're talking with Mitchell Davis from the James Beard Foundation, who just got back from London and the fabulous uh, world's 50 best restaurant awards. Um, what we 
would like to talk about now, uh, Mitchell, the, the James Beard Awards. Um, a lot of people, of course, most everyone in the U.S. is familiar with that by now. Um, as you say, they started in 1997. Um, uh, 91. Oh, 1990, I'm sorry, 1991. Yes, I, it's written right in front of me, but I'm not reading it correctly. Um, tell me a little bit about how how these got started and you know the how, the why, the, you know, do you, what, from, what, from sure. what you know. I'm sure. Um, they were, well, they actually began, they predate that date, I guess, that 1991 date, with two things that, that evolved at that moment. In 1990 is when the organization decided that they wanted to do some sort of recognition program, and of course it took a year to implement. And one of the things they did was to um, acquire the rights to the existing Tastemaker Book Awards that had moved around. They were founded in 1966, and that sometime they had been French's Mustard, and another time the IACP was working with them. And they, they had all different. They'd moved around, as I said, and um, we brought them into the into the Beard Foundation in 1990, along with another uh, recognition program that Restaurant Business and Cooks Magazine had started called the Who's Who of Food and Beverage in America. Mm-hmm. Um, so these two things came together, and the foundation itself wanted to recognize chefs and restaurants a little bit more overtly and created the system that has become the James Beard Foundation Awards. So those three things started then. Um, one or two years into it, we realized that there was a, a real desire to have other recognition programs for food-related things, food journalism, for instance, and broadcast media like radio and television and stuff, and so, and also restaurant design. And over the years, the awards themselves have evolved into these six distinct programs that include restaurant and chefs, which is one one program, the most visible, I would right. say, arguably. Yeah. The book awards, which are um, in their industry, as you mentioned, really significant, uh, books that win, sort of put labels on their covers and become um, some sort of celebrated um, aspect of the book world. Also, food journalism, which is um, has morphed into include... Um, uh, obviously blogs and online reporting as well as newspapers and magazines and then broadcast media which are is radio and television and the who's who and other re- lifetime achievement and humanitarian awards and that's what we are announcing um, at various celebrations this weekend that start on Sunday May 2nd right right yeah. well um, i think that it's what is interesting is the way that um, as you say because the certain regions it's hard in the united states to compete Obviously, with major cities, I mean, you know, everyone in the in the country can't compete with all the restaurants in New York City or Chicago. So it's split up very nicely into regions, which I think is a, a nice way, to yeah. do, a fair way to do it. We're talking about the Chef Awards now, and oh, I'm sorry, true. the best restaurant, yeah. the Chef so there, Awards, right? Yeah, there are ten regions. The country's divided into ten regions. Um, and New York City is considered its own region, uh, just again because of the sheer density of great restaurants here. Right. Um, and then the rest of the country makes sort of a lot of sense. The, the 10 regions, again, they're, they're, it's gerrymandered in a positive way to, to make sure that there's an equal number of, of potential players in each place, and so that when, when a restaurant wins in any region, we can say very confidently that it's as good as the restaurants from the other regions. That's really our goal. We just want to make sure that everyone's on an even playing field. Yeah. And then once a chef wins a region, and there are a few requirements for each region, you have to have cooked in that area for at least three years, I believe it is. The, the specific details are on our website, jbfawards.com, um, and also jamesbeard.org. Um, but that's once you win a region, often what happens, well, the, the process that we have seen happen now, we're almost, this is our 20th um, year that we're giving out the James Beard Awards, is that a young chef may win the 
Rising Star Chef Award, which is a national award and is given to someone who's under 30 years of age. That chef may have go on to win his or her regional award, um, and then eventually, if they keep working at it, they he or she goes on to win one of our national awards, the Outstanding Chef Award, Outstanding Restaurant, and that kind of thing. That that's that's a natural and wonderful progression through our industry. If you're playing at the top of your game that right, whole time, right? Well, that's excellent. Um, I noticed that uh, one thing that I that I wanted to ask you. Is, do you feel any sense of conflict, um, you know, being involved in, in this um, international, the world's 50 best, and then coming back to New York and, and being involved in, in the beard? Awards? <laughs> um, quite the reverse. I mean, I, to, for starters, no one on the staff here at the Beard Foundation has any voting rights whatsoever, so we don't participate in the Beard Awards. Okay. Um, so there's, you know, although you may want to try to give someone a free meal, we can't take it, and we can't do anything even if we do for right. you. Um, so, and one thing to make very clear is that James Beard House, um, where chefs are invited to come cook in New York City uh, almost 200 nights a year, also it's unrelated. The, the, the awards are set up to be a, a value of your peers. So the people voting on the winners, or nominees and winners of the Beard Awards are previous winners and um, other chefs and restaurateurs from, from, on, on what are, we call our judges committees. Um, and so that, I just need to make that very clear. So, um, so there isn't really a potential although uh, for conflict. And really my role as a chair um, of the Academy for the World's 50 Best Restaurants is to make sure that America is properly represented. And in fact, I think that's really um, not, not even a conflict, but really a huge objective of ours in the United States, which is always one of our missions as the Beard Foundation has always been to secure the, the culinary heritage of the United States of America, sort of on the world stage. I know our founder, Peter Kump, was really adamant, and so was James Beard, that America had a bona fide cuisine. And so to be able to make sure that we get equally, equally represented in the world um, of restaurants, I think, is really on target with our mission to assert that our chefs are incredible and the results of that World's 50 Best thing, which this year, by the way, I had nothing to do with. I'm, I'm new to the whole thing and have, <laughs> this is my first thing, um, uh, my first we just experience wanted to, with We it. just wanted to clear the air. We just wanted yeah, to make no, sure. I'm yeah. glad to have the opportunity to. No, I really have an administrative role to make sure that everything that happens in our region, one of the three regions of the United States, happens well. And in fact, there's overlap. The two other chairs are also involved in our awards committees. And again, they're there to make sure that in their areas, in the middle of the country and on the West Coast, that, that the chefs there get a fair shot um, at this really important world yeah. recognition. Well, you certainly have, the group has certainly done a wonderful job, as we just yeah. read that list down. But as far as the James Beard, um, the restaurant and chef awards, which which would you consider, well, I guess you don't want to pick single anything out, but say what is the most pre- prestigious? There is a Best Restaurant of the Year award given, right? Yeah, they're, they're, well, it's, we call it Outstanding Restaurant. You know, one of the things that's interesting when you're looking f- at restaurants, and in fact, in our meetings in London, we were having this conversation there, too, is unlike the Academy Awards, which award uh, an actor or a director for a new piece of work that happened in that year, when we're looking at an Outstanding Restaurant, that's, a, that's something that has existed over time and will exist in the future. You know, one of the things we said, if you pick something as, as one of the world's best restaurants last year and this year it's not on the list, th- that questions what happened last year because by definition, the world's best restaurant, unless it closed, ought to be good from one year to the next. <laughs> right. 
not to be that good. So we deal with the same thing in the Beard Awards. So we have the National Awards are Outstanding Chef, Outstanding Pastry Chef, Best New Restaurant, which is the most like the Academy Awards because, of course, the Best New Restaurant did just open in this year, and that's we're pointing out something to come. And the same with Rising Star. It's someone who hopefully will go on to do great things. But when you're you're recognizing a chef as Outstanding Chef or a restaurant as an Outstanding Restaurant, we're looking at an entire sort of lifetime of work. Um, And, in fact, for Outstanding Restaurant, I think you have to have existed for 10 years, which already levels the playing field um, in some ways because that's a lifetime in a restaurant. Yeah, I think Um, a lot of people don't realize that, that there are, um, you know, qualifications that it's not just, you know, picked out of somebody who's open today and, you know, and... And yeah, no. Uh, each category, I mean, I would encourage anyone who is que- curious, we, we really try to be as transparent as we possibly can. It's confusing for us, so it's, it's, if there's any confusion, it's, it's not intentional, it's just a complicated process. But if you were to go to jamesbeard.org and click on awards, you would see um, we have this all spelled out, how each of the various programs operates. Um, and we try, you know, again, I can't emphasize enough, as someone who sat in occasionally on the committee, awards committee meetings, and I'm not on any of those committees, again, I, I have nothing to do with the actual voting or the process, um, just to make sure that everything goes smoothly. But as someone who has sat there and watched once in a while these people deliberate from around the country, everyone takes this so seriously. I mean, they both recognize how important it is to a chef in a career, but also just how important it is to our country to make sure um, that people really doing important things in food and wine um, and in the hospitality industry are recognized and that the right people are noticed and the wrong people aren't. Um, right. And really, it's... Good. It's a, as you said, it's a big playing field, and you know, and I think the um, organization has done uh, a, a very good job at, at trying to you know reach out to everybody. And every, as I said, we all love we all love to winners and heroes. Um, speaking of which, let's let's try to get down to some specifics without spilling okay. the beans because you don't know yet. <laughs> I do not know the beans. I purposefully um, never know them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we don't. They're still being tabulated. Our accountants know the beans, but. Um, but everyone, of course, is curious. Often, you know, one of the one of the criticisms often is um, is that people say, "Well, it's the same people year after year after year." But as you just explained, I mean, if it, if they won one year and they got to be so big, you know, why aren't they there the next year if they're you know if they're so yeah. great? Um, and innovation sometimes it's hard to award innovative um, cooking, and you know, there's as you say, you're always going to have your critics. Um, because innovation has to endure, and that often doesn't happen. You know, yeah, they, they, they take it or leave it kind of kind of cuisine. Um, but on the list of yep. of the let's say outstanding restaurant of the year, what where what are we who are we looking at? You know what? I'm embarrassed to say I'm just going to have to check. Give me no, one second. Let's right. talk about something else. <laughs> okay. The well. nominees were announced. On, we actually announced the nominees in New Orleans on May 23rd, so that's been public. There's five yeah. uh, people nominated in every category, and I should have it on the tip of my tongue, and I don't, and I apologize for that. That's all right. Um, I, and I, that's the one list I didn't bring with me. I've got the best chef nominees from New York City, and I, I see a couple of interesting names on there um, that haven't always appeared. Um Naomichi Yasuda from Sushi Yasuda, mm-hmm. and uh, Seamus Mullen from Bocaria. That's that's great. Um, we've got. Are you reading the semifinalist list? I think. I think maybe I'm reading. Maybe you are. Maybe the yeah. So let yeah. me just back up for a second and and explain because the. Oh, the you're point right. I am. I am. Yeah. yeah. So, so the way it works is anyone, anyone listening to this radio show, anyone in the country can nominate chefs in our first, what we call an open entry, um, open call for entries. It's not really a nomination as much as it's a suggestion of there's this great person you should find out. I mean, we had over 20,000 people participate in that process this year. 
So it's online, and we announced it in October, about October 15th, and then people write in places around the country that they think should deserve attention. Uh, the top 20 suggestions, more or less, in each category, once we do the checking of eligibility, sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less, um, then become a ballot, and that ballot is what goes to our judges, and we have about 500 judges around the country who, again, are the previous award winners. Um, our awards committee, some journalists are on that, um, and they're the ones who vote, and the top five in each category become the official nominee. So from semifinalists, we go to nominees. And then on Monday, we'll be announcing the winners. Um, they voted again. So there's a two rounds of balloting among the judges. All right. Well, so what do we have uh, the outstanding? I'm sorry, yeah, because I brought the entire list with me. Um, that's, it's a great list. And that's yeah, a list that really shows that there's a lot of people out there that are in contention. And I think that if anyone were to make a culinary tour of the United States and eat in all of those restaurants on the semifinalist list, they would have a really exciting gastronomic experience. Let, let me just let me see, figure. I'm got 20 pages filled with names. 20, yeah. 20 pages, right. Um, so, so I'm what have you got at the on the official nominees, yeah. Okay. And, and for New York City, um, which again is one of the 10 regions, and it's carved out on its own for obvious reasons. Um, but um, we keep it distinct. And in New York City, we have Michael Anthony from Gramercy Tavern, mm-hmm. Danielle Hume from 11 Madison Park, again, number 50 on the world's 50 best restaurants. Wiley Dufresne from WD50 also made the list. Uh, Michael White from Marea mm-hmm. and Gabrielle Hamilton from Prune. Oh, what a nice um, list. Yeah. yeah, you could eat dinner there. You'd have five very different dinners and five very wonderful meals. So it would be hard, I would think, to choose. That's right. Um, so, so the other regions, um, just to give your reader, your listeners an idea, we have uh, Mid-Atlantic, which obviously includes the middle of this coast. We have uh, the Midwest as a region, the Great Lakes area is a region, uh, the South and the Northeast and the Southeast and the Northwest and the Pacific, which we call California and Hawaii. Um, so uh, the country is really well represented, and uh, again, everyone on this list is... is they're very different, I think, which is really nice and unique in some ways. If you look at Michelin or you look at some other rating programs, um, they, they tend to look for similar types of experiences, but we sort of pride ourselves that some very different things rise um, up in this process. That's right, yeah. Well, it's, um, do, you, uh, do you have the outstanding, the best... Uh, the, the Outstanding Restaurant of the Year list there? Yes, I have okay. Outstanding Chef and Outstanding Restaurant. So for Outstanding... Um, let me just get the right one. Oh, excuse me. It's okay. Because, I mean, there are, and the, the awards go, you know, on and on, too. Like the best, they do. The best I, new I, restaurant. The best, yeah, the best new restaurant of the year. Yes. Uh, that just well, and right here, well, okay, well, we have... Rising star of the year. So this is always, uh, for us, a really interesting thing because it kind of points to the next round of people who will be famous. Mm -hmm. We have Timothy Hollingsworth from the French Laundry in Yontville, Gabrielle Rucker from Le Pigeon in Portland, a restaurant everyone seems to love, Sue Zemanik from Goutreau's in New Orleans, Johnny Monis from Comey in Washington, and Gregory Pugin from Veritas here in New York. uh, again, uh, a fantastic um, award. I, I, yeah, best new restaurant. Um, we have Bibu in Philadelphia, Locanda Verde here in New York, um, as well as Marea, two Italian places um, in New York, RN74 in San Francisco. Francis in San Francisco and a place called, oh, another San Francisco, Flower and Water. Yeah, so Philadelphia, New York, and San Francisco are the place with the new restaurants. Um, Outstanding Chef, um, this is a little bit more across the country. We have Jose Andres from Mini Bar in Washington, D.C., 
We have Suzanne Gowen nominated from Luke in Los Angeles, Charles Fawn from The Slanted Door in San Francisco, Gary Danko from Restaurant Gary Danko, also in San Francisco, and from New York, Tom Calicchio from Kraft. Wow, San Francisco's San Francisco's topping up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In fact, Los Angeles was a little bit um, peeved. I think there was yeah. an article recently in the L.A. Times. Um, although there are several chefs from Los Angeles, but none in the top national awards. Um, so. I don't know what that means. And then for Outstanding Restaurants, sort of the big one of the night. Um, again, um, restaurants from across the country here. We have Babo from New York City and Danielle. We also have Boulevard from San Francisco, Spiaggia from Chicago, and from Birmingham, Alabama, where I will be in one week, we have Highlands Bar and Grill. Ah, wow. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. List. Well, we can't say, we can't give any hints as, as the win, and the winner is because those are kept under at the accounting firm's offices in their briefcases handcuffed yep. to their wrists pretty <laughs> much but we <laughs> will be blogging moment. and tweeting it live as it happens on um our blog is called delights and prejudices.com that was the name of beard's memoir or you can just find it by going to jamesbeard.org uh-huh. and um and we'll be it'll be there before it's released anywhere just because we're going to be sitting there next to the stage um, writing about them as they are announced well you know the the people who look forward to this and the critics alike, they're all a Twitter right now. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, they wouldn't have anything to criticize if you didn't give the award. So exactly. it's, I think it's, I think it's a really, um, it's obviously an honor for, for the people who work so hard to receive it. And, uh, and I appreciate your giving the time to, to describe both of the, the processes and, and uh, relive a little bit of your your time in London there was great. Oh, um, my pleasure. And I just wanted to remind people that one of the restaurants that a lot of the people who were in London gathered at for the awards, St. John with uh, Fergus Henderson, his nose to tail cooking, he's going to be right here in the studio with me next week. And we look forward to having a great show with him as well. So you were so lucky to ha- get to eat in a lot of those wonderful restaurants this past week. And, uh, I, and we had quite a lunch at St. John. It I'm was sure. fantastic. I'm and sure. we spotted uh, um, Eric Repair in the corner there, and he joined <laughs> us, and we, we really ate a lot of... Actually, less we ate less pork than I expected. Yeah. Uh, lots of wonderful vegetables. Anyway. I mean, I had... I, I, I was, last, when I last meal I had, there was fowl. I had a, some, uh, you yeah. know, like a, a wood fowl or something, wood duck. Um, so uh-huh. you never know. It's something You different. never know. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Mitchell. I really appreciate it. Mitchell Davis, Vice President of the James Beard Foundation. So you have to look in the news to see who the winners are. Yeah, or and follow us on Twitter. There you go. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> Bye-bye. And please join me again next time on A Taste of the Past. I'd like to thank our sponsor... Whole, Food Mar- Whole Foods Market, and, of course, my producer, Jack Inslee, and the engineer, Nat Wiener. And you've been listening to A Taste of the Past on Heritage Radio Network. <laughs>